Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. I am Nate Bauer. He is Sean Fitz. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. We are here to talk about Penn State against Rutgers. The final finish line home stretch is coming for the regular season of Penn State football. Uh, next one on the list Rutgers, Penn State past Maryland. Uh, we're we're going to talk about it. So here we go. It's hello. If 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 I sound exasperated, it's it's not intentional. It's just this is the time, right? Like this is the time of year where Penn State gets, uh, you know, Maryland and then Rutgers and, and Michigan State to round out the season. And it almost feels like my attitude towards this is the very thing that Penn State football needs to be aware of, right? And and avoid and try to to prevent against is you know just just a feeling of oh this is going through the motions and being able to avoid uh you know going on the road and losing to a team that they shouldn't lose to is that right. about right yeah that sounds about right i mean if anybody knows going through the motions it's you i know you've got that oh stop um but i know you i also know you have a penn state basketball game to cover at 11 30 this morning so trying to yeah. knock that, this out before you get there so i know that's all you're looking forward to right now by the way great job on the penn state basketball podcast that we have run or started here at blue white 
I know it's been well-received and I hope it is continues to be well-received and I hope they continue to win to make it easier to talk about Penn state basketball, because we all know that talking about a winner much easier than talking about the alternative. Um, by the way, like this video uh, on YouTube, follow us on YouTube if you, and, and subscribe to all our social channels, if you will. But this week, Penn state Rutgers, uh, I don't know what more needs to be said. This is a game that Penn State should go out. Um, the matchups favor them strongly. Uh, Rutgers will play up. This is no doubt in my mind. You saw that a couple of weeks ago when they took uh, Michigan. I believe it was very close, if not tied at halftime. Michigan, of course, had the depth and talent to pull away from the Scarlet Knights, but a really good uh, performance by Rutgers, at least for a half. And, um, you know, Penn State just from top to bottom, more talented, deeper, faster. Um, you put I put on the tape a little bit earlier today. Penn State should win this game. They should win this game convincingly. Um, we'll get to predictions here in a little while, but uh, it should really reflect uh, that should really reflect how that uh, how that comes together. So I like what Penn State's bringing uh, to Piscataway this week. It's just a matter of, of being up and getting yeah. or doing what they need to do to take care of business, uh, you know, on the banks. I, I said something Wednesday night as a joke. Uh, and so I'll repeat it just you know, back-to-back -back rivalry week games for Penn State between Maryland and Rutgers. Like, remember when that was a talking point, when that was a thing, was, you know, these two teams, these two programs coming into the Big Ten, and, uh, you know, it was like TV money and all of these things were going to kind of even things out and give Penn State some competition on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, certainly that has not come to fruition in terms of the trajectories of these programs. But also, you know, on the other side of things, I think it's to Penn State's credit that they've maintained that, right? <laughs> that Penn State has has kind of kept that older brother, uh, you know, type of standing. But to my earlier point, to, to, to hold on to that and to keep that place, to keep things feeling the way that they currently feel for Penn State, you know, you got to take care of business. You got to go out and win a game like this and do so probably convincingly i think for penn state fans to be happy um we went to practice obviously wednesday night the, uh you took the defense you were looking at defensive stuff i was looking at offense uh just wondering what some of your impressions were of what we saw last night well depending on when you're when you're picking up your viewing listening of this podcast uh james franklin uh alluded to joey porter's absence earlier this week kind of cleared it up he he made it worse on himself after the game on Saturday. I mean, by true. saying what he said, a non-football injury when it could have been an illness, you know, it, he, he, he made the speculative nature of that worse and came back at it and, you know, blamed it on us. But what, what are you going to do about that? But <laughs> said it was an app and uh, an emergency appendectomy. That was something that, you know, we had talked about through, through the week, but uh, yeah, he, I don't expect to see Joey Porter this week. We didn't see him at practice. Um, you know, you hate saying this because you sound like such a condescending prick when you do it, um, but they shouldn't need Joey Porter um, to yeah. contain the Rutgers wide receivers. They didn't really need him as much as I thought they might last week against Maryland, against a better group of wide receivers. But Kalen King is phenomenal, uh, just a, a top-level prospect in, the, in his own right, great player. Um, Johnny Dixon's come along. We're starting to see maybe, maybe see a little bit more Cam Miller on Saturday, maybe see um, you know more Daquan Hardy, things like that um, as you try Marquise to – Wilson, right? What's that? Marquise Wilson. 
yeah, Marquise Wilson played a pretty good game against uh, Maryland as well. So uh, I always forget him. They, they labeled him as an athlete on the roster last year, and it, it, you just completely forgot about him because when you do your yep. search, uh, your find on the on the roster, you'd search for receivers. You wouldn't get Marquise Wilson. You search for corners. You wouldn't get Marquise Wilson. So he's kind of the forgotten guy. But yep. he's, done, he's still done a nice job. They, they really like him. I mean, they think they've got four, maybe five pro corners in there. Of course, Joey and Kalen lead the way, but those guys further down the depth chart can play as well. But don't expect to see Joey on Saturday. Um, the the good thing there, Curtis Jacobs made his return uh, to to being more of a full participant, I would say, in practice. Uh, so you throw him out there, your defense gets a little bit healthier. Um, obviously, I think a lot of the injury talk has been focused on the offensive line. Defense has been banged up a little bit, but you haven't noticed as much because of the depth, because of the guys that they rotate in there. Defensive line is going, what, six deep at defensive tackle and defensive end right now, so probably five five deep at defensive end. And then you throw Zariah Fisher into the mix. Who's back. I, I don't think I've been on since he, no, I was on the recruiting podcast the other day, so I haven't said, I haven't seen it, but seeing Zariah Fisher back in pads, you don't comprehend like what he had to go through to get there and to be as far ahead of schedule as he is. Um, it's just really, really phenomenal. And it's, and it's a, it's a credit to how he's worked, how the training staff has gotten him back. And, and, you know, this is an injury suffered in, in spring essentially. And, and he's back on the field in November. I don't think anybody foresaw that, uh, Penn state doesn't really confirm season ending injury or injuries unless they're season ending. And they say yeah. he's play this year and all of a sudden he's back. That's really cool. And, uh, you can really take some things away from, from that and maybe be a little bit more hopeful. Not that you were you know, killing yourself about defensive end uh, next year. But for Zariah Fisher to be where he's at, I think it bodes well for the Nittany Lions at that position in 2023. Uh, otherwise, defensively, I, I picked up on last night, I, I mentioned this in our chat uh, last week on, on Blue White, uh, on the message boards, it, Makai Flowers, the safety from uh, Harrisburg area, ended his career at CD East. He's starting to come along. And that's, um, you know, one of those things where you've got a, a collection of guys. I know you asked James Franklin about red shirting uh, after practice uh, last night, but you've got a collection of guys that are going to be no brainer red shirts. Uh, Malik, uh, sorry, um, Makai Flowers was one of those guys for me. He's probably got the smallest waist in the program. I was seeing him last night. I mean, he's, he's very, very skinny. Um, he'll need some time in the weight room, obviously, to, to develop. But as far as movement skills, as far as like, outward confidence he looks like a different player than he looked in august when he was a little bit overwhelmed i think unfortunately our introduction to katron allen was katron allen bowling over makai flower <laughs> in a yeah. in a, uh, a program video so that's not ideal for a start for a freshman but i think he's come along he's one of the a couple of guys that i pointed out in the chat as starting to get it going does he factor in next year in the depth chart I don't know. It's hard to say. Penn State's got uh, a bunch of guys that are, are slated to come back at safety, but maybe work his way in as a special teams guy and starting to come along. And like I said, for the, for guys like that, uh, an off season, that first off season in the uh, in the strength program is just it's monumental for their career. Yeah. For the record, uh, Katron Allen has run over quite a few people in the time since. So yes, he, uh, not, he, he, he is not on an island in that experience. Oh, but we didn't know that at the time. I mean, we knew he was a power back, obviously. Right. And, and there was great things coming out, um, you know, in the spring, even with Katron Allen, when, when all the talk wanted to be about Nick Singleton. But you put him out there and, and you run a guy over. Uh, that's you're just like, OK, is this guy overmatched? Is it because Katron Allen's so good? Is because the other guy's overmatched? It's hard to say. Got but it. it wasn't exactly the welcoming party that I think Makai Flowers probably would have wanted. 
<laughs> Probably not, but you know, these things happen. I mean, honestly, well, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, notes, notes from the offensive side of the ball uh, at the running back position, still no Kevon Lee, uh, you know, which at, at this point, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it feels like week after week, uh, James Franklin has been talking about being hopeful to see his return. He acknowledged that, that he's injured, but, uh, and I've kind of been saying this all year, uh, it's fairly indicative when a guy isn't at practice on a Wednesday that you're, you're very unlikely to see them play on Saturday. So I would continue to expect Nick Singleton to be the first guy out, uh, followed by Catron Allen. And then, you know, really it's, you, you fall down to, to Tank Smith, uh, and Tyler Hallsworth. So yeah, the, the, the running back situation remains very talented, but, uh, you know, fairly thin there in terms of scholarship depth on the offensive line. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not really sure where to start. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really like, wait, it, we'll see. We'll see. Right. Is, you know, the, the things that we saw on Wednesday night included Caden Wallace appearing to be a little bit more involved than he had been previously. Uh, but that also included some reps or a rep at left tackle, right? You know, how hard Drew Shelton is at four games. Okay. We know that. Uh, is there any possibility? James Franklin talked about wanting to try to pre preserve his red shirt two weeks ago. He didn't say that this week, but two weeks ago, we talked about still wanting to preserve Drew Shelton's red shirt. To what extent are they willing to go to do that? And is that still the case? Right. Because there's all these dominoes that fall based on how Penn State either needs to, uh, right? Like they either need to burn red shirts or they are going to do what they can to try to prioritize saving them. And so, whether it's Vago Yuani, whether it's JB Nelson, uh, whether it's Drew Shelton, there's a, there's this balancing act that has kind of been going on, and I would expect to continue to go on uh, into this weekend, right? Are you playing Drew Efner at tackle? Efner can moonlight it in, at the guard positions if he needs to. Hunter Norzad appears to be okay and played through last week. Sal Wormley played through last week, got through it. Drew Scruggs is banged up, according to James Franklin himself. <laughs> they're just it's a it's a cascade of different juggling acts that are going on there and so sitting here on thursday me feeling confident about exactly what that group is going to look like no i don't know <laughs> i don't know we're gonna find out um but it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see the decisions that they make versus the necessity that there is for guys who can either play or, or they can't. But I mean, my, my general impression, the kind of reading between the lines of things that they've said is that virtually all of these guys are playing through injury right now. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah, we, all we, of I them. mean, it's musical chairs is what it is. And I think he alluded yeah. to that last night. And to be honest with you, I, I just assume that drew Shelton's red shirt off the table, you know, and yep. then all of a sudden we, we've got JV Nelson taking reps at left tackle last night. Yeah. So there's yeah. so many things where they're, they're piecing and, and you hate to say it, but it, the opponent does matter. Like for sure you're out here to win games. You can win games with these two games with different combinations. Now, obviously I think this week, um, or excuse me, next week, a little bit more difficult because Michigan state often very good up front. Um, but maybe, you get somebody back, maybe Caden Wallace, you know, if Caden Wallace comes back, that, that 
uh, solves a bunch of your problems because you've got Efner that can play pretty much anywhere. Norzad, you know, he's banged up as well, um, but he has played through it. Sal Wormley's played through it. Juice Scruggs has played through it. And, and Vega, you've got a couple of games to play with. So yep. it's it's crazy, um, you know, that because we'll be talking about this in a couple of years and maybe it won't matter because the guy might be just so good he's gone or, or something like that. I will say in that defense, to me, there's two positions that you, you know, actually want to use those red shirts. Offensive line is one of them. Quarterback, the other one, um, you know, if the guy's not ready. Um, So everything else, as you asked James Franklin last night, is kind of, you know, uh, up in the air. So there's some no brainer guys, but that doesn't come down to position. I think that comes down to physical development. That comes down to the, the plan that they hope to to have coming into their freshman year. But I mean, yeah. It, it worked like, like, like we said, it worked last week. You know, you, you were able to play the right game of musical chairs where you kept Nelson out of there. You kept Ioni out of there and you, you've got, uh, you know, you can continue to, to sort of read and react and, and go by that. And, and obviously with offensive line and the injuries that they've had, it's not easy, but you know, it's an idea. Like that's an idealistic scenario. Like you want the, like all the chips have to fall and you can still redshirt Shelton. You can still redshirt Nelson. You can still redshirt Ioni. I don't think that the realistic aspect of that is, is going to happen or can happen, but there is a path to that. There is a path that you can put out and, and, and yep. it can happen. So it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it in a couple of years. I don't know, but it's um, it, it's crazy thing. And I think going back, and I think this is something that was partially self-inflicted by me. I had Nelson a couple of weeks ago when we were talking with T Frank on the live show at three for two, he's actually a four for three um, because of the COVID. Right. His first year was the COVID year. So do you hold on to him and potentially make him a two, three year starter? Um, I think that one means a little bit more than Ioni, than Shelton, where you don't know what those guys are going to look up in a couple of years. And I mean, they get a couple of guys back and all of a sudden, not only the end of this year looks a lot better, but also next year could, could look like a pretty deep unit. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, they, I mean, certainly they could look very good next year, depending on what happens with with uh, Olu Fashanu. Obviously, he's got a decision to make. But you know that Hunter Norzad is going to be back. Juice Scruggs has the opportunity to come back if he, if he wants it. Sal Wormley can come back if he wants it. Efner can come back if he wants it. That's, I mean, to me, that's a, a big one is certainly I think the Penn State wants to keep Efner if he's willing to entertain that. Uh, for him, it would be the sixth year, right? So, right. Um, so no, and, and you know, I, obviously I asked James Franklin last night. I think, I think it's an, a fascinating conversation. I'm not sure that I asked the question uh, in a way that got necessarily the response that I wanted, but. Well, you started with uh, calculus, you idiot. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah. Dumb, bad mistake. Um no, but like what the the point is, I think that the external perception is that Penn State or that this is a one-sided hope, right? That you're able to preserve red shirts from the program standpoint of, oh, we want to keep these guys in our back pocket, have them as long as we possibly can. They're not going to be used all that much this year. And so in the future, uh, we we 
it's it's just better. It's it's more advantageous to have these guys as 24-year-olds or 23-year-olds than it is to have them play as 18-year-olds. Uh, however, and, and kind of to my point, it's not it's not just that. And, and Jay Franklin talked about this a little bit. At the beginning of the season and during training camp, he said, I'm going to quote him here, he said that 90% of players that get to Penn State as true freshmen or in their first year in the program believe that they should play and play a lot. Some of them are willing and able and say that they're they're fine with just being special teams players if it means that they can be on the field all season. And what he talked about was as the season progresses and there are starters in front of them that aren't losing their jobs and you see the, the rep distribution, a lot of times the tune changes. A lot of times the feedback changes to where, you know, you're, you're dissatisfied or, or you're less... You've, Personally, whether it's the family, the parents, or the player themselves, you're more interested in saying, oh, well, you know, I only got five games. If I would have just played in four, then I could have preserved that redshirt. I would have had this extra flexibility. Uh, and so he, he talked a little bit about how that is an evolving process. But by the end of the year, by the time that they get to this situation, like, I mean, I'll be blunt. Last year with Kobe King in the 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 bowl game that Penn State played in like I don't think that was I'm I'm reading between the lines here maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think that was James Franklin's decision I think I think if Penn State uh had come to an understanding with Kobe and his parents that uh you know that he would play in the game and like that would have been Penn State's preference I think uh but reading between the lines it's it becomes a conversation a two-way street of hey this is the feedback from those families uh, of like, hey, this is this is not worth spending the red shirt and losing that extra year of flexibility. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And that that comes down to I mean, that's something that we don't, I guess, factor into that when we talk about these decisions is is there's so many circumstances here at play other than, hey, can you get out here and, and are you going to be gone in five years? I think the the interesting thing here. Penn State mismanaged a couple of these like uh, Drew Shelton played against Ohio, I think very yeah. late in the game um there were situations where they held i i won't say they mismanaged many of them but you know you didn't get the full allotment of reps that you would want to get for a guy like drew shelton playing one or two series against ohio you know that's yep. the, and that's where it comes in but you know that's all hindsight because he wasn't breaking through to to beat olu out and wasn't going to be a guy that you could you thought you could lean on it 285 pounds as a starting left tackle for, for a majority of the season, things change. As you mentioned, things, things change greatly. And this yeah. is a guy that's fluctuated in his weight greatly since, you know, he was at, you know, Downingtown. Then he went to IMG and put a bunch of weight on. It was bad weight. And then he came back to Pennsylvania and dropped 20 pounds. You know, this is a guy that's been all over the place. So he's not yet physically where he's going to be when, when he's a contributor, although, has stepped in admirably, done a great job, done an absolute great job for a freshman um, to, to do that. And um, yeah, it's a moving target is what it is. Yeah. And and well, really what? Well, I was just going to say, they, they, they want to keep guys, they want to play guys in those non-conference games to keep them engaged as well. Like that's, that's one of the factors is, Hey, you got all these guys who are want to play and you don't know Yes, you don't know whether or not an opportunity is going to come based on injury late in the season, but you also don't know 
if you're going to be in close games for the rest of like you have no idea if Rutgers is going to be good or bad by the end of the season at at when Penn State's playing. Well, got a pretty decent idea of that. I'm just saying you don't know what you're going to be like, and I think that Penn State last year is a perfect example of that. Right for for the way that Penn State played through the first five games of the season versus the nature of every single game that they played after that Iowa game where everything even wins were were fairly close. You know, you just you don't know. Like you don't know what state you're going to be in, and so it's a little bit of a guessing game. But it's just, I, I think it's far more complicated of an issue to deal with than most people would recognize. Right. And I will say the obvious thing here too, is the bowl game should not count in this, in this count because not everybody totally. plays bowl games. Um, and on top of that, our uh, national roster nightmare is over because JV Nelson has officially been moved to 56 on the yes. uh, official roster. So <laughs> we don't have to answer that. Hopefully we don't have to answer that question every, um, every week now when he gets into the game. Um, Rutgers, let's, let's move on to Rutgers. Um, there's so much, uh, to take away from their season. They started out hot, got an unexpected win against Boston College. Greg Schiano's a good coach. I mean, he doesn't have everything to work with there, but, I mean, the guy got a job in the NFL, was not good in the NFL, but, like, there's a there's a, there's levels at play here. Um, Rutgers offensively, it's an interesting dynamic because they don't score a ton of points. Nate and I, we have this conversation all the time about uh, all the nuances of college football, but it comes down to, who can put up points? Um, and for the first time since I believe September, early September against Wagner last weekend, Rutgers put up over 20 points when they scored 21 on a touchdown with, I think, a minute to go against Michigan State um, in yep. a 27 21 loss. So that's going to be something. Um, uh, Rutgers has trouble moving the ball. They've, they've got a couple of talented guys, but as we've seen with Maryland, as we saw with Indiana a couple of weeks ago, that's something that Penn State can exploit. That's something that Penn State can get after. Uh, Gavin Wimsat, the quarterback that was uh, the next in line to be the savior at Rutgers, he, he's okay. He's he's not particularly accurate if you pressure him, and I think Penn State will be able to pressure him this weekend. Need to keep him in front of you. He's got some legs, um, can can take off and get first downs and things like that, but he's not going to sit there, whether Joey Porter's there in the secondary or not, he's not going to sit there and put – and. Um, pick you apart the running game um they've got some Rutgers always has good backs I mean they, this is something yep. even when they've had very poor teams they've had uh, good running backs they're really going to miss Samuel Brown who was a phenomenal running back at LaSalle teammate of Abdul Carter in high school um he came in and had a was having a really good season broke his foot he's done um Aaron Young from Coatesville uh, a guy that Penn State went after for for a short period of time and Kyle Manongai are going to handle the running back duties for Rutgers. Guys that run hard, guys that uh, you know do uh, a lot of little things well. Um, but I think it comes down to how overwhelming Penn State's defense can be. You saw that against Indiana. You saw that against Maryland. And I think that that is potentially what you could see again on Saturday against this Rutgers offense. Yeah, and and you know specifically last week against Michigan State, Manangai he had the bulk of the carries. He was, he was kind of the, I would call him the feature back of those two, right. uh, but they did have young on some sweet plays. Some passing plays. Things. Yeah. He caught a touchdown. Passing pass. plays. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, look, it, it, this is not all that complicated. If, if Penn state is able to bottle up the running game on first and second down, which they have been fairly successful at this season, uh, you, you know, Wimsat is not the quarterback 
that's going to break you on third and long, right? When you get into those third and long situations, he's, he's, he's just not the guy. Uh, the receivers, I don't think pose a huge threat. Obviously Aaron uh, Crookshank, I believe is, is a guy that James Franklin specifically talked about earlier this week, but just, um, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's just not, it's not a dynamic offense. They move the ball a little bit better against Michigan state than they had earlier in the season, but you know, look, it, it's, it's fairly, it's fairly simple math is, you know, if, if even assuming, even giving Rutgers the benefit of the doubt that defensively they'll be able to do something against Penn state's offense or, or maybe limit it a little bit. You saw last week, Penn state uh, offensively still is not rolling. They have a running back who is incredibly dynamic and makes big plays but it, it's not like the second half was a beater last last weekend. And even before that, um, you know, being held to some field goals, those kinds of things. I can envision that type of situation happening again this weekend. It's just that what is Rutgers going to do? <laughs> what is Rutgers offensively going to be able to produce? And it just it seems unlikely given the way that Penn State has played so far this season and especially in recent weeks with some of the success that they've had on the defensive line, uh, you know, blitzing, you name it. Uh, yeah, I just it's it's difficult to envision. Yeah. How about yeah. the other side of the ball? I'll stop on stop you right there. It's, it's going to be a line of scrimmage game. And that favored yeah. Penn State greatly. Um, and, and I think that's passing game, running game for Rutgers, whatever. They're going to force feed Johnny Langan, uh, the, the the quarterback from, I think, Bergen Catholic, um, who is a guy that they like to use as their goal line back, essentially. Sean Ryan, pretty decent receiver, was a transfer from West Virginia. Um, but, yeah, it's going to come down to the offensive line. It's going to come down how much Manny Diaz throws at that offensive line. And I think they can they can overwhelm and they can do some things. You look at Rutgers' output in this series offensively, they haven't scored double digits since 2014 against Penn State. And there's been, I think, two shutouts in there. It's just generally Penn State putting their foot on the back of the, the of Rutgers' neck and just holding them down. And that's basically how it's been uh, pretty much the last decade. So I expect kind of more of that. And, and you hate to prognosticate that sort of thing, but uh, this is the way it's gone. I mean, we saw last year Penn State was missing a chunk of its roster because of the flu came in uh, Christian Veyer came in, beat him with Malik Mega. So you're talking about a a team that uh, you've got an opportunity to set the tone with um, and try and put them away early. But but again, they played Michigan tight. So the possibility is there and they're always going to get up to play Penn State. I mean, this is this is a rivalry game for them, undoubtedly. Defensively, uh, they're all kind of all over the place. Um, They've they've held some good offenses in check for a certain amount of time. I just don't think there is as deep and talented and as fast. Um, and, and then on top of that, they have some tackling issues. Uh, defensively, Wesley Bailey, defensive end from Canada, uh, has, has been productive, has been getting out there and, and, and getting to the quarterback, uh, Avery Young, who is uh, Aaron Young's older brother from Coatesville. He's a good player. He's going to play in the NFL. Uh, Christian Izian uh, had 15 tackles against Iowa from the safety. He's going to be a run support guy, and I think Penn State – should be able to run the football as well, especially with some some cutbacks and some uh, some some lane running from Nick Singleton. Uh, we'll see how that works out. And Tyreen Powell, a uh, guy that Penn State liked from South Jersey, um, that never really reciprocated that interest. I think Virginia Tech was in on him um, as well, but uh, he had nine tackles against Michigan State last week. So um, guy, guys that can play, uh, singular talented spots, guys that can play. But as as far as the defense goes, there are some holes there. Michigan State just 
battered the middle of the field last week. And I think they have some uh, Rutgers defense has some injuries in the middle of the field. So they went with some zone. And to me, I don't know that Frank was curious if they would fix it uh, in the off week, but I think this is an opportunity for Penn state's tight ends who won't be asked to do as much from a chipping aspect, from a staying in a blocking aspect. I think Theo Johnson's going to have an opportunity to have a really, really good game. Yeah. Uh, you know, just for the record, for uh, clarity, the scoring defense at Rutgers has not been good. They're tied for 65th nationally at 25.9 points per game. But, uh, you know, at this point in the season, 10 games in, these tell a fairly good tale. Uh, and they're really, the efficiency numbers actually aren't that bad uh, for, for Rutgers defense. They're 21st right. in total defense, 45th in rushing defense, giving up 134 yards a game. Uh, you know, 26th in passing yards allowed and 20, um, excuse me, 20, 21 in passing yards allowed and 26 nationally for team passing efficiency. Defense. I mean, Greg, so. Greg's, Greg's a great defensive coach. He's going to have them in the right spot. Exactly. It's just a matter exactly. of, he's going to draw up the defense that will be in the right spots. It's just a matter of his guys can get there. And that's, you know, unfortunately part of the talent gap. Yep. Yep. Uh, predictions. Are you ready? I think for the first time ever, I predicted a shutout. And that's very dumb of me because, you know, once they kick a field goal, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Oh, my goodness. I forgot all about Rutgers' best player. I really messed that one up. Adam oh, no. is phenomenal. Just an absolutely great punter. I watched cutups this morning of Rutgers and Michigan State, and it cut out the best part of that game which was the punter matchup. Adam Corsak is an amazing punter. He's probably going to play in the NFL and maybe a draftable guy at that position, which is not, uh, not everybody can say that. Um, he is their best player. He is awesome. And, uh, you know, I think we'll see a bunch of them this week. Yeah. yeah I was going to say he, he will, uh, he, he is very likely to have uh, plenty of opportunities, um, which now prediction. Oh, right, right. I have 38 national Penn State. <laughs> Um, sorry, I when I miss special teams, yeah, I you don't want to do that. Awful. Um, yeah. so uh, yeah, thirty-eight to nothing, Penn State. Penn State's offense, um, you know, thirty-eight kind of sounds like in the middle there. They should be able to put some points up, especially as balanced as they've become. Uh, running, they should be able to run the football this weekend. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the game that I foresee. There was a couple of years ago that it was a. 39 nothing game or something of that nature. Penn State doesn't seem to score. It, it, it's interesting because Penn State doesn't score in the 50s and 60s like you think against yeah. some of these bad Rutgers teams. But, um, you know, that this is the kind of game that they often get drag, dragged down to and end up playing against Rutgers. So um, predicting the shutout, it's dumb because that could be off the board and on the first drive. But uh, I think that's indicative of the overwhelming potential of Penn State's defense to just come in there and, and run the show once again. Uh, weather for Saturday, which, you know, I don't know. This doesn't seem relevant, but it always is, right? Penn State plays the weather. Uh, it's a thing yeah. for Penn State. Um, 41 degrees, sunny, like, shouldn't be, should not be a factor. And great yet, November weather, yeah. Great November weather, great November football weather. Um, I have 34 to 7, a couple of field goals, just, you know. I don't want to say going through the motions, but it, it, it just, it last week painted that for me a little bit, even Indiana a little bit painted that for me. It's just like, okay, this is a Penn state team that is mature. Uh, it is not like, just doesn't go off 
to that extent, right. I don't think. So, and so I like mean, the, the last the last two weeks, they should have come out with the ball right. in the second half, drove down, gotten a touchdown, and then you 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 pass off the life the the life vest to, to Drew Aller for the rest of the game. Yep. And that just hasn't hasn't happened. The the inefficiency in spots where they're cruising is a little bit unsettling, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's it is not as though they are in it's it's almost like Penn State plays to the hey, we're gonna absolutely make sure that the the outcome of this game is never in doubt, uh, more so than it plays to the hey, let's maximize. Let's put this game Everything. in doubt. Yeah. Let's put, let, you know, let, let's just, anyway. Um, so yeah, no, pro- probably an ugly game and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks for your time, Fitz. Uh, I will be there with Greg Pickle in Piscataway on Saturday afternoon. We will have our post-game recap as always. Sean will have his impressions. Uh, all of this, all of it, all of it, all of it is at bluewhiteillustrated.com, part of the On3 network. Uh, If you sign up right now for a premium subscription, it is $10 through the end of August. It's it's great. Like, it's it's a good value. Uh, And I'm a value guy. Fitz knows this. Um, Love hot deals. So do that, $10. uh, Like, subscribe to YouTube, our podcasts, all of that stuff. Uh, We appreciate it very much when you do. Um, and that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.